All right, howlers, let's get howling. But first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains adult content. Don't be a pixie. Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising saga, including Lightbringer. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy, email howlerpod at gmail.com, visit us at howlerpod.com, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to see Ben raising the roof like an old man. (laughs) (laughs) And rate and review, five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, then we will make you spoon out your own eye. And now, Howler Pod. Chains may be made by others, but we tend them. Hello, Howlers. Welcome to Howler Pod, your podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising saga by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. Ow, ow. I am your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Ayers. Hello, Howlers. Aaron, what are we doing today? We are rereading part three, Tempest of Lightbringer. Chapters 37 to 42. Mm, exciting stuff. Part three. We're already into part three. How Can many parts are there? Four. Wow. <laughs> this is a long one, though. It's, it's a longer this, part three. It's going too fast. It's a good chunk. When yeah. it still lasts forever until book seven. <laughs> Let's load up this star shell and shoot straight into our chapter summaries. Hopefully we don't shit all suits. Chapter 37, Darrow Cacophony. The Archimedes is approaching an asteroid in the vastness of the belt where Darrow hopes to find Quicksilver and a fleet to take back to Mars. As we near the asteroid, we learn that Cassius is perturbed by how messy (laughs) Darrow and Severo are. Apparently, Severo doesn't flush. Wow. Pretty gross, Severo. Bad form. That makes me like Severo a little less (laughs) because I don't. He's always been dirty and nasty. Unless you're doing mellow yellow for the environment. (laughs) You know what I mean? Maybe there's something with the ships and like being in space. (sighs) Who knows? You don't want to fill that thing up. They have a refiltration system. We also learn that Darrow has been working on himself on the journey to the belt. He's working his body with Cassius. Mm, I'd like to... Working his body with Cassius. Join in. (laughs) He's working his brain by studying the data that Virginia sent, like learning of his enemies' successes and their movements. And then he's working on his heart by reading the path and also by writing to Pax. Mm. As they approach, they grow nervous that this trip was for nothing. Darrow thinks on the path, then stilling his mind. So now we're seeing him using the path in like a meditative way. (laughs) Then a crater starts to open up on the asteroid. It's a hidden hangar with ships pouring out, and they're like AI ships. Mateo appears over the comms projector in the Archimedes and welcomes them in. Darrow then goes to tell Severo, but Severo's listening to heavy metal uh, (laughs) music and sharpening his knives and not particularly interested in participating. He's been naming his knives after his enemies and the latest cleaver is abomination. Yikes. Sounds like he's doing great. Severo is (laughs) not working on himself (laughs) or maybe he's doing it in a different way by naming very sharp knives. Uh, Chapter 38, Darrow Tabula Rasa. The Archimedes lands in a hangar of the asteroid and Darrow departs the ship alone. He is met by Mateo. As soon as Darrow sees him, his anger at his old teacher melts and they hug. Mateo sees Darrow, really sees him like an avatar without the hair fucking part. I see you. Yeah, the I see, I see I, you. Who knows? They could have done the they, hair fucking They could have hair fucked. And then he tells him, Mateo tells Darrow how sorry he is for all the losses that Darrow has suffered. Just as he tells Darrow that he grieves for Severo, the goblin exits the ship and demands to see Quicksilver. He's in a hurry. He's got to get back to Mars. They meet with Quick in his ridiculously high-tech, pretentious office. They do a little bit of catching up before getting to the moment of truth. 
will quick re-enter the war and help them with all of the resources he's been hoarding. <gasps> Drumroll, please, no. Quick's oh, answer no. is no. He has lost faith in the people. They do not have the will to win. After some more back and forth, Quick uh, reveals what this asteroid really is. It's a life raft. Inside is a whole world with trees and weather and its own sun and sigilless homo sapiens. <gasps> That's us. That's us. We're there. <laughs> <laughs> he's not only done with war, but he's done with everything. My man is leaving the solar system altogether. He's starting anew. Blank slate. Uh, Severo is big time mad at Quicksilver for wasting their time. Uh, Darrow also mad, but he's calling to mind the lessons of the path again and ask quick to show him, you know, his new world that he's built. Darrow's like got Romulus vibes now. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Chapter 39, Darrow under the golden gaze. Quick and Darrow walk through the garden together. The automaton teachers have led the children away after the sun dimmed. So they're alone in the garden. Darrow asks why they waited for them to approach and board. It took, what, 38 days was what Severo said? And Quick explains that they were waiting for their window, that the Shadow Armada is still too near, but almost far enough away for them to leave. Mm -hmm. Darrow realizes that the asteroid had to have been started when they were still winning. Quick says that this was always his dream, even before Fitchner came along. He then explains why he wears the ring with the gold eye. It's pretty dark. <laughs> <laughs> he used to have a partner and four children who were all brutally murdered after being tricked in a business deal by a gold. Quick then took his time and tore the gold's whole family and business apart until all that was left was the gold. Quick told him he could have his life if he spooned out his own eye, and that's the eye in the ring. Quick then put him in a life pod and shot him into deep space Kept alive, but not able to move or to die. That was 36 years ago, <laughs> which is how old I am. <laughs> and that's terrifying. <laughs> and when they uh, ship out, when Quick and Mateo and the, the children of the corn leave, they will pass the life pod on the way to deep space. That's why Quick built the asteroid so that these homo sapien children would never know that golden gaze. Mm. Darrow tells Quick that he should destroy the life pod as they pass without engaging with the gold. He says that if he ends his pain, he'll end his own. End his pain, end your own. Darrow takes the ring and tells Quick that Darrow will take it from here. Quick says he can't give him ships, but he can give them repairs, weapons, armor, and Lyria. Some power-ups, baby. pig. <laughs> then Darrow goes to the main telescopic array and reviews the recent events of the galaxy. Darrow realizes that Mars has not been rained on. He sees the enemy fleet left and went to intercept Jupiter, led by the Lightbringer. He sees that Jupiter was attacked by the Obsidians. So then Darrow goes and tells R.A., Cassius and Severo that there's a new path, but mm. he asks them first if they want to follow him on it. The chaos of the rim opens up a window for them to infiltrate Ilium to accept Athena's invitation, and it also opens up a window for Severo to fly home. Ari is troubled. Athena's invitation was to Severo, not to Darrow. Not all the daughters can be expected to for be as forgiving of Darrow for giving up the sons to Romulus mm -hmm. and having them all uh, killed. Mm -hmm. But Sever wants to go home, and Darrow's going to let him use this window for him to get back to his family. All right. Chapter 40, Lyria, Departure. Lyria looks at the surgery scar left over from removing the parasite. She's been recovering for the last five weeks, had to relearn a lot of basic skills due to essentially getting brain surgery. But her personality, she, her, is still there, and that is what matters. Mateo uh, shows her the removed psych, and Lyria destroys the parasite, and it melts away into a sink. He then tells her that Darrow is expecting her in the next room over. The Darrow? Oh, my God. That's the one. Yep. That'd be like if someone was like, Aaron, I don't know. Chris Hemsworth? <laughs> Chris Hemsworth, or like The Witcher, like as The Witcher. Yeah. The Rock. <laughs> I'm blushing. <laughs> also, you, The Rock. <laughs> yes, oh, yeah. 
<laughs> I would be. You would freak out. Freaking out. Uh, yes, that's the one, the Darrow, and he's headed for the rim. And her best bud, Volga, Lyria, meets the man himself. Seeing seeing him as he is recovering from his latest carving session, she sees him in a brand new light now that she now that she has actually seen him, the weight he carries, and she's looked into his eyes. I looked into their eyes. He's a real person. <laughs> it's from Game of Thrones. Uh, he's a real person in a way he was not before. She tells him uh, she wants to go to the rim with him. Daryl says, no, it's too dangerous. Lyria tries to convince him, but it is futile. She's been sent back to Mars and is leaving tomorrow. Mateo wakes her the next day and sends her off to her ship, telling her that he appreciates her friendship. Lyria enters the ship and finds another passenger already on board, and it's Severo... Barca. Oh my God. <laughs> and he's upset and he's ready to leave. Uh, Lyria, not knowing what to do or say because, you know, the goblin is sitting three feet away from her, tries to tell him sorry for what happened to Ulysses. As soon as she says the name, she knows she's fucked up because Severo doesn't know. He freaks uh, out, just wants to know everything she knows like immediately. Uh, she tells him everything the crash, the red hand, the tree. He's devastated. Uh, he gives her a hollow cube and tells her to get it to the sovereign and then leaves the ship. Lyria considers her options and makes the decision to leave the hollow cube on the ship headed for Mars and then sneak her way onto the Archimedes. Wow. Sneak, sneak. Who would you rather meet, Darrow or Severo? Darrow. Especially like Severo and this. I don't state. like people that smell. I don't like people who like would choke me out. Yeah. I just feel like he's a little too dangerous. <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> like, can I get your autograph? <laughs> okay, chapter 41, Darrow to the stars at Astra. <laughs> Darrow wakes and is impressed by his new flexibility after Quick's light wave treatments, which I would love to do. Sounds yeah, great. The old joints a little bit. It's like an Epsom salt bath, but like times a thousand. <laughs> He heads to Severo's suite to see if he changed his mind, but he's gone along with the ship that Quink sent him and Lyria to Mars in. He goes to inspect the hull of the ship, and Cassius and Quick join him. Cassius tries to shake Quick's hand, but Quick refuses because he killed Ares. He also says, if you were worth anything, Loon wouldn't be leading a gold armada, would he? Which is like such a burn. It's not very nice. No. But also. <laughs> Quicksilver's a dickhead. <laughs> you don't think it's Cassius's fault that Lysander's leading a gold armada? No. Me either. <laughs> that was a test. <laughs> Quick shows Darrow um, new sets of pulse armor that he made for them. Mateo and Are arrive along with a drone carrying Fitchner's Ares helmet called the Twilight Helm, which mm. sounds badass. Mm-hmm. Quick gives it to Darrow and he's like, tell the helmet I am Ares. And Darrow's like, no, not yet. Not unless Athena says I should. Mm -hmm. So Darrow's still not ready to be Ares because we still have Severo. Uh, Quick and Mateo say their farewell and then Severo comes into the hangar loaded up with heavy weaponry. Severo's back. He's had a fresh shave and cut his hair into his Warhawk. That's exciting. (laughs) Darrow follows him onto the ship and he's trying to ask him why the change of heart, but Severo says to drop it. They take off and leave the asteroid behind. Chapter 42, Lyria, rat in the machine. Lyria has been hiding out on the Archimedes for nine days without being discovered. It's very uncomfortable and she's very hungry. Uh, She's making a late night trip to the kitchen to steal some food when she is caught in a trap by Severo. The whole crew is now alerted to her presence and everyone is there to see what the commotion is about. Severo is about to send her out the airlock before Darrow stops him. Severo lets her go, but now she has to face Darrow. She's coming on this ex- excursion. Whether he likes it or not, she's going to help her friend, Volga. Darrow relents, and they end up making a deal. She can come, but Darrow gets to choose when and how she gets deployed. Uh, his priority is not Volga, but if their goals end up coinciding, so be it. She can go help her friend. Lyria agrees with one extra condition. There's an open chance for her to get to Volga uh, and it doesn't get in the way of Darrow, then he has to let her go. He agrees. Lyria is officially part of the crew now. Woo! 
after taking a shower and talking with uh, Ore about Athena, she gets some new clothes from Cassius. She tells Cassius she knows who he is and lists off his infamous list of titles and dubious deeds. Cassius acknowledges with sadness, but Lyria does not make him feel judged for it and instead celebrates him for being here now. It's like what he needed. Yep. They decide to share some whiskey, and Lyria tells Cassius her call sign, Truffle Pig. And just like that, it's the start of a beautiful friendship. Ah, uh, little eaglet. <laughs> All right, Aaron, what's the theme for this week's chapters? The theme is perspective. Mm, getting lots of perspective in these chapters. We're learning uh, about what everyone's doing finally. Darrow's not in yes, the dark. Definitely. Uh, we're having some shifting perspectives. Darrow is trying to change himself. He's doing a great job. Following the path. We've got Severo kind of stuck in his one perspective, looking at the world. And then we It kind of shifts when he finds out his does, baby died. But not in a healthy way. <laughs> We've got Quicksilver laying out his perspective on the world and yeah. really unchanging. So it's an interesting set of shifting perspectives throughout the these chapters if you remember our, our theme shifting sands <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> perspective is probably a better word <laughs> when was that dark age i don't know that was a fun one though. shifting sands <laughs> things are changing i really enjoy the themes that we come up with that you come up with uh well you help sometimes <laughs> but the quote that uh, was read off the top at the top of the episode on the intro. Yes. I really enjoyed that one and it kind of influenced me for this entire theme. So we'll get into that. Well, why um, don't we play it again? Yes. Let's hear it from Nick. Chains may be made by others, but we tend them. Nice. I just love that. I don't yeah. know. It's like, there's and so that's, much there. That's, he says that right before he says, and his pain to end your own. Right. Like stop living in this cycle of torture, torturing yourself and this gold that ruined your first family. Right. It's, it's like we've got to be able to let go. And yes, there's sins of the past and they may define you in some type of way, but like you don't have to hold on to them and make them define you for your future. And so there's a lot of characters dealing with that. Like Daryl, especially like, He's had all these failures and uh, our first our first quote is him talking about the path to the veil and quoting that book. So we'll play that here first. Forgetting is essential to learning, just as exhaling is essential to breathing. Breathe out, then in. Find the self, then lose it once again. Thus the path goes ever onward. It's kind of like a mantra. Yes, very much so. Breathe in, hold for four. Breathe <laughs> out, hold for four. I love that forgetting is essential to learning. It is. Like you have to, in in all kinds of different ways, like if you're trying to learn a, a new skill, if you keep thinking about how you're doing something, like it's sure. way harder to do it. But if you kind of just let yourself, your body take over and flow, then you're going to learn it a lot faster and it's going to stick with you. Yeah. Same thing with like what we were talking about. Like Darrow's had all these failures. Like he's basically, I mean, he basically like lost the war on Mercury. And yeah, he lost a lot of people too. Yeah. Got, yeah. Millions of people killed. And he's like seeing those ghosts all the time. He's got dead friends everywhere. <laughs> he's yeah. let but people down. His best friend hates him. Like, and his body is beat up and from being stabbed and, yeah. uh, yeah, he's carrying Radiation all those scars and, and everything. Yeah. And so it's just like he could let that define him and he could go into a hole and just be woe is me. But he's. And what what does Quick say? He's like defeat either, either brings suicide or what was the other one? Transformation. Yeah. Like philosophy. Like yeah. you either turn into like a philosopher. Rogue yeah. Chose suicide. Yeah. Yeah. And so Darrow is taking this new path now where he's, you know, letting go of his past failures and trying to focus on moving forward in a way that's going to, you know, 
achieve his new goal. So mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. And then we should all read the path. <laughs> I think that plays great into that quote about chains might be made by others, but we tend them. I think that that just stuck with me in all these chapters. It stuck with me for the last few days as I continue to think about this and put this outline together. Like, mm-hmm. yes, you know, chains can be made by others. They can things can be put on us. Expectations hey, break the chains. Exactly. Um, but we take a lot of that information in and we we hold it on ourselves and then it becomes part of our story that we tell ourselves and we're tending those chains daily. And so, I don't know, just breaking out of that cycle and kind of that, I, I just love that aspect mm-hmm. of it. Um, it. That really connected for me. So It also makes these changes in Darrow make him a more relatable and likable character mm-hmm. than like sad boy Darrow. Yes. Definitely. And it's kind of why like at this moment, Severo's so hard to connect with to yeah. connect with and why people were kind of like annoyed with Severo a little bit mm-hmm. because everyone has all this loss, but the way they're reacting to it is different. Yep. So Darrow's got a great, great quote here about Severo. So great segue, Aaron. Thank you. Severo does not want to be here. He came along because he had to. He knows the importance of this mission, but it's not made him any better company. So yeah, let's talk about Severo just being a bad time. Yeah, (laughs) sure. I mean... Well, Severo's always kind of been immature and petulant and, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, he was more childish than the rest of them in the Institute as well. Yeah. More like... He's been bullied more and, you know, yeah, just had a harder time. And he's more tribal and more, like, loyal to those he loves. And, like, that's all he cares about. Right. And so, those, like, for me, I, it doesn't connect when, for me when I know, I know some people have criticized this book for, like, Severo not being himself or, like, they don't get the character in this book. And to me like this is very much who Severo is and has always been. It's right. amped up on a level of nasty that like yeah is not fun. But he's the goblin. Yeah. He's nasty. It's not he's not like this fun jokey character anymore, but like this is a natural progression based on his I, I feel like personality traits that and experiences. Yes, and his experience. He's yeah. had a terrible time. And so his perspective is just this one singular perspective that cannot be changed. And it's like, this is a waste of fucking time. I don't yeah, want to be here. I want to go I, home. I want to go home and take care of my family. Yeah. And I'm getting dragged along for all of this. And no matter what they say or do, no matter how much Daryl tries to like bring him into the fold or connect with him, he mm-hmm. just won't allow it. Yeah. And he's just singular focus. He's hardened his heart. Yes. And he doesn't want to like... Yes. Act like nothing's wrong because so many things are wrong. Right. The walls are up and he's not interested in taking them down at yeah. all. Yeah. Yeah. And then that takes us into like quick Silver's perspective who he's, you know, obviously a father of the rising. Uh, one of the fathers of the rising put a lot of not only money and resources into this, but just, you know, his own personal ambitions and whatnot. And now he's got this kind of like, bitter similar to (laughs) several kind of outlook where he's just like like, the people didn't contribute like we gave our whole lives mm -hmm. to the people and then the mob turned on us and Mm -hmm. fucked everything up (laughs) so like why should we help them you know (laughs) yes he's got a couple quotes here about the mob that will play and the people in general with this just explains his perspective and why he's not rejoining the war Of course I wonder what I could have done differently. Your constant refrain, I know, Darrow. The only difference between you and me is that you blame yourself, and I know who's really to blame. The mob. The mob. (laughs) Nick did a really good job with that one. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't heard Nick's Quicksilver voice. I like the little inflection on that. It's it's kind of how Quick would say that, with the nastiness. And then, yes, we have one more quote from Quick as well here. To be perfectly honest, I no longer believe the people have the will to win this. (laughs) I no longer believe in the people at all, really. Wow. Right there. I mean, it just, he says it all. Like, he's lost faith in the people. Obviously, like, the day of Red Doves was like, that was, 
the deal breaker for him. It was over at that and point. And for me. I also agree with <laughs> Severo and Quick. That we can't trust the people? No. Uh, <laughs> they're sheep. Dancer would be so disappointed in you. Dancer was murdered by <laughs> Lilith and the mob. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Quick's perspective is is locked in here. And it's it's really colored by his experience, he's got this idea that, you know, he needs to create a new world without this golden gaze like you had talked about in the chapter summaries. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I do like about it is that Darrow is able to like land some punches with him and like a- able to, you know, he's doing this. Like he's not not doing it, but at the same time, Darrow's able to like hopefully change his heart a little bit like by talking to him about that gold and like letting go of his pain and that maybe i think darrow like basically forgiving him for doing this saying like i understand or understanding at least maybe not forgiving and it is kind of shitty because like quick is like basically having them out here so that he can feel better about doing yeah, this. Yeah, Daryl realizes like, <laughs> oh, that's why he let me come out of this way. But they do get ship repairs and yeah. kick-ass pulse armor. Yeah, so he does get something out of it for sure. In Lyria. In Lyria. And, but I, I do like that, you know, he, letting go of your pain. Also, I like what he talked about with that he, you know, he had token, talked about not wanting to meet the children of the corn. Like Quicksilver wasn't ever going to Right, just the automatons. Them, but... Daryl was saying, you know, maybe you would enjoy being, being a, a father, father to these people, and like giving himself quick, giving himself an opportunity for a new life, like not being so scarred and latched on to that old life that he can't create a new one. Uh, I, I really, I enjoyed that a lot too. And then our last quote here comes from Lyria, who has a similar moment to in Iron Gold when she talked to Mustang or like saw Mustang for the first time, like really like saw her. Well, yeah. Then immediately has empathy that she didn't have before. Connects with her in a way that hadn't previously. And then she like has this major understanding. She has a similar moment with Darrow here, which I liked kind of the, the way those two moments sang. For a horrifying second, I realized what it must be like to be him. The man cursed to use the weapons of the enemy to liberate people like me. All for what? So people like me can stand with their hands on their hips and scold him? All the anger I've had for him over the years dissolves in the reality of his existence. What do you think? Lyria. I think that it's important to like meet people. That's why you can't hate people from afar or just mm-hmm. like over the internet or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like the minute you meet them in person, you immediately see their humanness. And yeah. that's what happens here. Yeah. I think that's a good call out. It's just like how this applies to all of us in the real world where it's like, you can have an opinion of someone until you've actually met and talked right. with them. Yeah. And then you're like, Oh yeah, they're human like me. And they're also having problems and going through things. And, or just, you see like, they're not, you know, like with Darrow in your mind that he, you had, he's, Darrow's a warlord mm-hmm. and and then she sees him and immediately is like look at all of his yeah. scars <laughs> like yeah. shit yeah well, just like the <laughs> shit that the imagining the shit that he's been through and then putting herself in that position and be like I could never handle that you know yeah um, I love that from her and I don't know that's why I feel like Illyria is such an important character mm-hmm. and I'm so glad that we have her perspective as a not superpower figment really. yeah I think she speaks to that too about the parasite in a really great quote where she's like, this was kind of like my fairy tale moment that was going to make me big and strong and be able to be like everybody else. But I think what she's going to discover and what she discovers in this book and will discover in red God is just like, she can be that person without all that. Mm-hmm. She's that powerful. Or she, already. she can influence yeah. the, the changing of decisions and mm-hmm. history just by being yourself. Yep. And then little there truffle were, pig. There were a couple uh, of other moments of perspective shifting that I just wanted to call out that I didn't have exact quotes for, but I liked Mateo and Lyria's last moment where 
he like really appreciated the friendship that they created over the five weeks together and you know remembering he was obviously like angry with the mob just like quicksilver was yeah. but remembering that there's real people in that mob like lyria and learning that lesson i thought was it's kind of it's like the same lesson as lyria meeting darrow mm-hmm. yeah you know because lyria was one of quote unquote the mob right yeah the lay people i thought that was good perspective as well and then we get this like you know, horrible list of things that Cassius has done. He's betrayer. He's the turning cloak. He killed Ares, let Darrow into the dragon's maw to kill the sovereign. He's betrayed every side. Yes. And so like he could be destroyed by that. Right. And he carries a lot of guilt and sadness around that. And, um, he could, I mean, obviously he's dealing with it by drinking at times and just like still having a tough time with it. But, that's not who he is now. And like, he's making decisions to take him away from that and to do the right thing and do what he feels like is honorable and honor his friends and the people that he cares about. And Lyria and just like a quick moment is able to like recognize that in him. And she, I don't know, she unlocks something. I feel like that was really great. I just love how she's like, but you're here now. And that's right. all that matters. That's and he's matters. just like, and then that just like, takes this whole weight off of Cassius immediately. And I mean, no one, he hasn't had a stranger like be nice to him. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know. Everybody's such a dick to him. (laughs) Like everyone's (laughs) mean to him. And he's like, Oh, this little red (laughs) person is just, I just thought that was cool. And she likes whiskey. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. So, uh, all right. That was our theme for this week. Perspective. Do you know know what, what's up next? How is Cassius hilarious today? And we have something. There is. We have a Cassius moment. Um, my favorite hilarious Cassius moment this week was when he snaps a mock salute and he uh, says, yes, Imperator. Happy to, Imperator. Good call, Imperator. And then Daryl leans in and sniffs his breath and he's obviously drunk. Been whis- drinking whiskey. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> happy to, Imperator. <laughs> That was hilarious. <laughs> it was good stuff. Okay, <laughs> now let's go into our prime five, five of our favorite insights and observations from this week's chapters. I'll take the first one. Go. Okay. Um, this one, this was the first time I read the book. This was the only time I cried. I really? didn't even cry when, you know. Yeah. The oh, big, I know. The big cry moment. Because <laughs> I was like flying through. <laughs> yeah. We Cross was in town already by the time I read the end of the book. So this was Mateo's benediction for the lost friend. So when uh, Darrow comes off the ship and Mateo grabs his face and says, I grieve for, and then lists each person. Dude, I was like, so do I. Oh, man. Yeah. Each one was like, fuck, man. And it kind of was like healing from dark age it was from reading dark age and we got like that opportunity darrow gets an opportunity to actually grieve his friends and like feel that pain and grief with someone else who understands because yeah darrow's like a bullet moving move 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 like the marcher was the first time he had to like suffer through but even then, Stillness. it doesn't even seem like they were not, they weren't like really confronting their feelings. They no. were still on the mission surviving. at that point. Yeah. So yeah, this is the first time he like breaks down and mourns with someone else that we yeah. know of. Um, this moment, it got me the first time through too. Oh definitely. my gosh. I was like, Mateo? Yeah. <laughs> who who brought Mateo into this I was this thinking chat? there was one other moment with like, was it, there was like some kind of reference to Ragnar that really got me the first time around. In this book? Yeah, but I'm not I'm not sure where it's at exactly. But I know I cried three times. Is that this and and then obviously on Cassius, but this was really powerful. I, I mean I thought it was just a beautiful moment. I was really happy to reread that part. Me too. Okay, so next item on the Prime Five list. Let's talk about Lyria and the Parasite. Is there any conspiracy yes. corner here? I know a lot of people are out there like Probably. Parasite's still in her head. It's going to activate at some you're point. you're in the room, so there's always a conspiracy <laughs> corner in this room. <laughs> I I think 
like was she even holding the parasite was that the real thing can can you really like melt it with bright light and it's like she drew a triangle it's like i don't know it seemed kind of symbolic Mm -hmm. and then it's like liquefied yeah what if i mean can the parasite even die we don't know. I don't know. I'll tell you, I'm highly skeptical of this one. I know there's a lot of people out there that like this idea, not bagging on it at all, but I'm skeptical of this one. I read that section a couple different times and I just feel like, first of all, like wh- why are they, I guess they would have to open her head up to, to repair it if that's what they were going to do. But even then, like there's a whole paragraph where she talks about, he's like, can you feel it? And she, and she said yes. She said yes, but in the way that like you can feel limb. a lost limb. Yeah. Yeah. And so to me, like that's description. Well, I'm not saying it's still in her head. Okay. I'm saying, did she really? Was that actually the? Oh, parasite? I got you. Yeah. I know. There's a lot of people out there conspiracy theorizing about it still being in her head. It's going to activate it at some point. She's going to actually have the parasite. That'd be cool. Holy Spirit, activate, <laughs> activate. You'd be okay with that? Well, you know, I don't think it's in her head because if there was a time to be activated, it would be when Volga was about to heart punch her. I think that's a good idea as well. Wouldn't she like ninja her way out of that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, if there's going to be a time where you're, it's going to activate, it's going to be at that moment when you're... Or like go and like <laughs> stick her fingers up Fosno's. And yeah. Adrenaline's pumping you're about to die. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's, I, I just think like reading the text and subtext, it's there that it's out of her head. To me, like it's, it's clearly out of her head, but. And then do you think it was melted? Yeah, I think it's gone. Great. I just, knowing Quicksilver, I, I'd be surprised if he was like, yeah, just destroy this priceless piece of technology that could. Possibly use for it. Also, like I feel like maybe we would have gotten some kind of like parting little cute comment from Mateo if it was still in her head, you know. (laughs) Like I don't know. A breadcrumb. Yes, something that would. No, I don't think it's in her head. Yeah. Because like it, it should have like tried to save itself or whatever. Yeah. Or at least crawled into Volga's head. Like, (laughs) yeah, finally a bigger body. Okay, let's talk about uh, a next item, which is Quick's Revenge. What did you think about that? That gave me bad feelings. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty gnarly. It is pretty fucking gnarly. And it's also gnarly that he's he's telling Darrow about this. Darrow was in that same horror in the table. So Darrow suffered the way that this gold man is suffering. Mm-hmm. Except he could kill himself by banging his head. This guy can't even do that. Yeah. So this is like even worse than Darrow's The description table. of the way that this gold killed Quick's family. It's terrible. Also terrible. And like then, this whole thing is just ugly, and nasty. And like Quick choosing himself over his partner. Yeah. Oh, man. That whole thing was just. So there's a darkness in Quick from that that is very understandable. Yeah. And you know, it makes sense why he wanted to kill all the golds. Right. I mean, yeah, it's, this is a gnarly one. I don't, I mean, I don't know how to feel about that other than golly, it's dark and yeah. And mm. Pierce, (laughs) I don't want him (laughs) to ever have a reason to torture me. (laughs) He's got some, uh, scary visions (laughs) i don't think i could ever come up with that whole story i do think holding on to it as long as quick has is 36 years extremely unhealthy so i do agree with darrow's advice he's got to let it go but yeah yes because he's like it in a way i it is like by keeping that person alive he's like keeping the wound open on himself yes he's like picking at the scab constantly no matter what Mm -hmm. and keeping that on his mind and i mean Physically, he does pick at it with the ring. He right. spins the ring over and over. And that is just, yes, you want to like remember your dead family, and and that type of thing. But just that's not a good way to. That's not going to honor them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
So, Quick's asteroid, Tabula Rossa. Yes. Are you are you flying off into the stars with Quicksilver, or what do you think? Well, is he is the goal to find a habitable planet? He's just like going Didn't really off. Say what the goal was. It seems like it's just to live on this. Just fucking leave. Yeah. And they're gonna live on this spaceship forever. Maybe they'll find another planet, but I don't know. I just I don't feel like the it's ship not is not in his lifetime. Like obviously. big enough for like my whole life. I would agree. This sounds like it sucks. And how, like, <laughs> is there going to be, like, inbreeding? <laughs> Do we have enough... Uh, Genome to yeah. go around? Yeah. Like, after I'm sure how many is. years? Yeah. I don't know. Darrow describes, like, how tall it is in meters, but I couldn't really picture how big it was. I mean, right. it's, it's really, really big, but you can still, like, see to the other end of it. It's not like looking across the ocean and you can't see. I was most interested by it having its own sun. In the middle? Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm not flying. That sounds like a real bad time. I just... Just, like, your whole life. On a spaceship. What if you don't like, like, three people on that spaceship? Then it's just like... Yeah, there's also not enough... Dealing with people. them all the time? Yeah. I don't know. I can't do it. And he even says, like... It's basically an experiment. He's like, they could all kill each other and... Yeah. Yeah. Like, could turn into Lord of the Flies in there real quick. Yeah. 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 Children of the Queen. So the what do we think about Quick? What's... He's... We're assuming that he's left the story for good at this point in the yeah. conversation that we're having now. What's his legacy as a character in this story? Well, he started and funded The Rising. I mean, right. Darrow is his legacy. Yeah. That's true. So even though he, I feel like a lot like pisses I'm, off. I'm left cold by him. I've always been left cold by Quicksilver. You know. Well, he was the he funded the whole rising, but Fitchner was like the heart of it. Yeah. You know, I think Quick. I think Silvers, as like, in general, are like shrewd business people and aren't necessarily meant to be, you know, passion and. Um, quick kind of emulates that sect that he's brought up in. And mm-hmm. then he also has this horrible backstory that kind of drives him as just revenge driven. Yeah. So I thought it was interesting that he says that he looked at Darrow as a son, but we don't really ever get Darrow thinking of him as a, as father. a father. He sees dancer as a father. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that to me is like that explains a lot of Quicksilver sure. right there. And Quicksilver also <laughs> isn't fatherly. Yeah. Like Darrow's kind of encouraging him, like, maybe you would enjoy being a father yeah. instead of a god. Like he's like I, he's calling himself a god. And Darrow's like, Maybe, maybe try being a father. Yeah. Being more human. Interesting character, obviously very important to the overall like story and thrust of the thing, but like to me, like, I'm glad he's moving on. And this wasn't the guy that I wanted to, like, save the day. You know, this Just character. Swoop in with robots. Yeah. That would be nice. <laughs> I mean, it would be good for winning the war, but. I'm all about winning. Yeah. For me, like, that's not a very satisfying story. So, all right. Let's talk about our next item. Okay. It's Lyria. In her descriptions of Darrow, Severo, Cassius, and Are. I thought this was great. Like getting her, we already talked to kind of about we her. We get a first impression yes, of everybody. of everybody. I really enjoyed, we already talked about Darrow one, just like how that changed her perspective. Her Severo one just <laughs> yeah. paints him as very scary. <laughs> so Darrow also describes him like when he's doing his knives, he's like hunched, yeah. shirtless, covered in tattoos. Yeah. I pictured like Justin Bieber or like Machine Gun Kelly, like the way they're all tatted up yeah, and skinny and like, <laughs> but smelly vials of blood around their neck and stuff like that. Yeah. Ears. Yeah. Uh, and then I love how she described Cassius as just like full on thirst trap. She's just she like, she said the most handsome man to ever wink at she's me. She's like, that is a man. <laughs> <laughs> Hubba hubba is what she says. And then she basically says the th- same, same thing, thing about, about Ari. Yeah. She's like, holy shit. These people are good looking. 
Think about how like bad you'd feel about yourself about meeting all these people. She has a great Shit. description of of Ore. Uh, about Ore, she says, "A woman so beautiful that she must be made of shadow and starlight." Uh, I blink up at her, forgetting the giants towering over me. No, shadow and fog. That's what she is. Ooh, smoky. <laughs> Not only is that like a good description of her looks, but also like a good description of just her overall character and vibe. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was great. I, I just like, I love those perspectives. And then Cassia, she's like, what a man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so Darrow, she's more like worshiping him yeah severo's more like well she's like seeing a god in person yeah like realizing he's actually a human yeah Yeah. and then severo's scary and then the other two are just beautiful wow (laughs) hubba hubba (laughs) uh and then the last item on the private five list is just a quick one well this is what i thought you were gonna put for how is cassius hilarious today oh yeah the leviathan part it could be an honorary yeah um yeah, we've got some Leviathan mentions. There's already been a few throughout the book, and then we get a couple like right in a row in one of the chapters here today. Um, they're starting to come hot and heavy at this point because guess what? We're going to see a Leviathan later, so Pierce is priming us for that. I didn't think about the future. I was thinking about how this was a callback to mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. they're flying to... Where do the obsidians live? On Mars. The The North Pole of Mars. The South Pole, right? The Spires. The spires. Yeah. <laughs> Valkyrie Spires. It's <laughs> like, where are they going? <laughs> to the cold part. And they crash and then there's like sea beasts. Mm-hmm. I saw this as like a callback. Right. I guess Cassius wasn't necessarily in the ship that crashed, but he was chasing them. Right. Yeah. I guess I didn't really see it that way, but I, I get what you're talking about. But uh, I, I didn't even think about the future. Like that. <laughs> but I think that wasn't that's why he was making that joke about if we're with Darrow, he's probably going to crash into the sea. Yeah. With the Leviathan. Yeah. I think you're right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's also, he also mentions a couple other sea beasts along with the. Really? Uh, he mentions the Skyla the along with the, Skyla. The, the Leviathan. And this the Skyla actually has a connection to uh, another sea beast that was mentioned back uh, a few episodes ago Edie's ship is called the charybdis okay and these are both connections to the odyssey oh yeah so they're like sea monsters that are on both sides of a strait and you can't sail too close to either one or else you die wow yeah so pierce more odyssey stuff Loves the Odyssey. I should read it. <laughs> I think I did. I did read it in high school. I don't remember a single bit of it. I didn't go I'm to sure a I great cliff school. noted it and didn't actually right. read it. All right. So now that we've finished our Prime Five, it's time to name our Primus of the Week, where we choose the one character who conquered our Proctor's plot and rose above the rest. Our Primus of the Week is Lyria Travel Pig. Why is she the Primus? Because she stayed hidden for nine days and she peed on Severo without dying. Yes. If you pee on someone, you win Primus. That has always been our rule. <laughs> if you remember back, did Carnus pee on? Carnus was a Primus Darrow, because of this. That was the first pee? Yeah. No. Who peed on someone in the Institute? Uh, Titus, probably. Okay. Titus was doing some peeing. And then who peed on Diomedes Cloak? <laughs> Ajax. This is a quiz. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, if you pee on someone, you win Primus. It's the rule. We We, didn't make it up. Yes, this is the rule. This is history at this point. Yeah. Uh, Good job. I think she had a good week overall. Had the parasite. We haven't had anyone pee on anyone in a while. In yeah, and at least not not in Dark Age. There was. Didn't that happen in Dark Age with Ajax? Yeah, it would have. Yes, it's been Once a, a book. whole book. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no one's peeing in iron gold. <laughs> I don't think so. She had the parasite removed, like Karen said. She snuck onto Archimedes, survived for nine days without three of the best killers in the solar system noticing her. Also, she inadvertently got Severo to join the mission, which, which ends up saving the day. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> that needed to happen. So good job, Do-do-do-do. great job, Lyria. 
All right, let's move on to the Howler mailbag. We've got Cassie P and some tidbits. Let's do it. Happy New Year, Howlers. Three quick tidbits this week in Let's Talk Mythology, part three of four. So in these chapters, I really love that Mateo and Darrow got to hold their own little version of their rising dirge, remembering the fallen, letting their light shine one more time there at the edge of darkness. I also love that all of Mateo's remarks serve to affirm Darrow, building him up in spirit while Cassius builds him up in body after all that's happened to him, preparing Darrow for what's to come. And then later on, Quick's all-striking revelation of a resurrected species in a curated world brought to mind the words, Welcome to Jurassic Park. Don't know if anyone else heard that in their minds. My third tidbit I'm calling rectification of names, which Confucius says is also not a butt thing, Ben and Aaron. It is the concept that all things should be named properly so that it can exist in the proper context with everything else. The theory is that this results in the proper interactions and thoughts between things and people, which will then lead to harmony. In my mind, I relate the rectification of names to words mean things. So in chapter 39, Darrow is watching Lysander's fleet and refers to his flagship as the Lightbringer Nay Morning Star, which brings a sad, defeated tone. However, since Nay, N-E-E, means born or originally, it really should be the Lightbringer Nay Colossus, which also reasserts the memory of what Darrow did to change that name, as well as what he did immediately afterward. Okay, the most fun part, for me anyways. Let's talk mythology part three, the Iliad this time. We talked the Odyssey last week, or last time. The Iliad is, of course, the saga by Homer that covers part of the Trojan War. I think there are multiple angles that people can approach the analysis of the books to compare Red Rising characters and events to the Iliad. I ultimately settled on the Greeks being the Rising and the Trojans being the Society. So first, a quick summary of the relevant sections of the Iliad. And I wonder if folks might start drawing the same parallels I did or if they might draw their own unique ones. If there are any out there, I would love to see them. The only thing I can see is the comments on YouTube, so please do share. Okay, so, there is a mighty Greek warrior, Achilles, who has withdrawn from battle because he's angry at his leaders for taking away his beloved slave girl. Without Achilles in the field, Troy's greatest prince and warrior, Hector, the breaker of horses, has nearly pushed the Greeks back to their ships. Patroclus, dearest friend and partner to Achilles, takes the field wearing Achilles' armor, reversing the course of the battle. But Hector kills him. Later, a pissed-off Achilles ends up chasing down and killing Hector in combat. Achilles desecrates Hector's body and drags it behind his chariot repeatedly, in full view of Hector's parents and compatriots in Troy. It finally takes divine intervention for Achilles to ransom Hector's body back to his family namely to his father, King of Troy, Priam. Yep, same name as Mr. Highlingo McFlatneck from Book One. Now, to Red Rising. In Dark Age, Victra had become estranged from Mustang after the latter seemingly does nothing, or at least not enough, after their children are taken away in iron gold. And now Victra is off doing her own things against the Syndicate and with the obsidians. Victra is my Achilles, both in this comparison and, like, for real. Swoon for Victra. Love that woman. But I guess that's more of an Achilles heel? Whatever. So, the death of Ulysses and Severus' torture are her Patroclus, setting her off on her rampaging warpath. In her vengeance, Victra kills the great and amazing Ajax Algrimus, my Hector, breaker of horses, who, of course, was just part of the force that broke Mustang's defenses on Phobos. Victra, 
after killing Ajax, parades his head around camp and rubs it in Lysander's face through the vids. And finally, however unwillingly on Victor's part, his remains are traded back to his family during the detente. In this case, to his full brother by choice, half-brother by blood, Lysander. Of course, Achilles ultimately dies after getting shot by a pixie named Paris. I hope that Victra does not meet the same fate as Achilles, which would leave her children without a mother, which, while tragic, would be a powerful echo of several's own past. And I can see Pierce inflicting that upon us, even if it hurts him as much as it does us. That's it for this week. Thanks for letting me babble, and I will see you all next time. Hickus Lupus, motherfucker! Ow! Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm very worried now after listening to that. I ca- thank you again, Cassie Pete, for the great tidbits. But I don't. I didn't like when you said that in order to continue this parallel that Victor <laughs> would have to die. I didn't like that part. I'm going to have to go back and retroactively put in uh, earmuffs for Miles now before oh. Cassie P's tidbit. Yeah, Miles uh, likes to draw Victra. I'm, he drew a new Victra this week. I think he's going to be very sad when he hears that. I don't like it either. <laughs> that was such good analysis, though. It was, I mean, that was really well done. I can't imagine like reading any book and thinking, this draws parallels <laughs> to... The Iliad? To anything. <laughs> just like, you do in a way, just not to like classic <laughs> literature. Not to smart things. <laughs> hey, those are things that certain people find smart, but things that you say other people find smart. Thanks, Ben. Like You're me. being such a Mateo right now. <laughs> See, I drew a parallel. <laughs> and Cassie P, you're not rambling. We're appreciating your tidbits. Oh, you can't ramble when everything you say is full of information yeah fire i mean <laughs> uh i, I, I want to say that now all night i'm going to be singing as a jurassic park lover i really appreciated that for sure <laughs> i also liked uh saying that mateo was building dara up in spirit because we were talking earlier about how he worked on his mind, his body, his mm-hmm. heart, and then yeah. he gets off the ship and Mateo builds him up in spirit. Yes. Also, that thank you for fun. clearing up rectification. I thought that meant of the <laughs> of the rectum. Sick burn, Cassie. No, uh, lots of great stuff in there. I, I actually did think, because I've been doing a lot of crosswords lately, mm-hmm. I got a new crossword app and... Like I'm staying up way too late, to mm-hmm. just furiously doing crosswords. <laughs> and one of the words that keeps coming up is nay, the N-E-E uh-huh. that Cassie talked about. And I did think when I read it, uh, that like word popped out to me because I'm like, oh yeah, I've been seeing that shit that he says, Lightbringer, nay, the morning star, but he should have really said Lightbringer, nay, the morning star, nay, the Colossus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Thank you, Cassie P. Loving those tidbits. All right, we've got. I didn't love the last one. Yeah, I mean, uh, when the I love like part. the effort <laughs> and all of like how smart it was. But yes, if that actually happens, then I'm gonna be. Then sad. you can say you told us so. Yeah. And I'll say, spoon your eye out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right, we've got a, one other email here from James Lynn. James. Jay Lynn. Jay? Go by Jay, it looks like. Jay says, loving the chapter summaries, was super pumped to hear that Aaron had read Project Hail Mary. It's one of their favorites. Nice. Uh, It's good. And then says that he has a ton of thoughts and theories, but for now I just wanted to say this one. I came up with theory during like my fifth or sixth listen through that the cube that Lyria was meant to bring back to Mars contains a perfected psych for Pax. It's said earlier that the psych gave its host the ability to control massive fleets while also being cognizant of their surroundings as Pax is at the dark store, dark 
star conservatory learning his trade the psych would only amplify his abilities pax will use these abilities to fight abominadrius while darrow fights lysander aka bitch boy that is a good one and that is that red god that's like an original one too. I haven't seen that. I haven't one. seen that anywhere. Yeah. Damn Jay. Nice one, Jay. Also, I want to say, I speaking of Hail Mary, I finished The Martian. It just didn't have the heart or pizzazz that Hail Mary has. Yeah, it's much um, more sciency. And it, the ending uh, didn't have the heart either. Like yeah. I don't know, Hail Mary. Um, you know, made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about the Artemis, Martian, right? Like, right over. I loved Artemis too. Yeah, Artemis was that good. Had, that had I like that main character. character a lot. Yeah. I liked The Martian, but it it was uh, way more sciency. Yeah. Yep. And then last thing Jay says, just wanted to give a shout out to TGR for an awesome recording. Hell Always yeah. love his voice work, but not gonna lie, I do kind of miss the voice of Mustang from Dark Age. I would. Well, agree. it was sexy. Yeah. TGR, you're sexy too. He said it was spot on. Yeah. I, I agree. It was. It that was a really good Mustang. That was like the Mustang voice that I hear in my mind i would like that woman to just read me to sleep at night (laughs) (laughs) she should be the voice of ra (laughs) oh there you go yeah that was that voice all right you know what it's time for what are we into this week aaron what are you into i have finished the name of the wind by patrick Mm. rothfuss and i'm about a third through the next one again Wise man's fear. Thank you. I was like, where is it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wrong books over there. <laughs> and uh, when I first finished The Name of the Wind, I wasn't ready yet to say that I was into it because I was, I kind of was upset that nothing really happened in that book. Like you have to keep reading, <laughs> yeah. which I like reading a series. And then I was upset because I didn't know until I finished it that the third book isn't finished. even out, but, out yet. Mm-hmm. And we could be entering like a situation where it might not be out for a while Mm -hmm. i'm gonna keep reading a wise man's fear but now i'm like worried when i get to the end of this it's gonna be another big like nothing happened you have to keep reading oh there's a lot of stuff that happens in wise man's fear so i'll keep reading and i enjoy the story i enjoy the writing the writing is beautiful i enjoy if you haven't read it these aren't spoilers but you kind of go from present day back to like uh, a f- flashback and there's like a type of institute learning mm-hmm. Harry Potter vibes mm-hmm. and you know I like it I do it's I really like well the done. story I actually like like the present day story probably even more I'm like let's get back to what's going on there yeah yeah like the mystery of that situation yeah yeah, yeah. lots of like loose ends that keep you wanting mm-hmm. to come back and you've read it so I enjoyed it. I think I recommended it a couple of years ago on this podcast. Nice. Yeah. Why isn't it in our, what are we into master list, which we do have by the way. <laughs> uh, I think it is great. Did you control F? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well I I'm into it. I can't wait for you to get to the porn and wise man's fear. Okay. Um, the porn. <laughs> I, th- I heard part for a second. Oh no. <laughs> All right, Ben, what are you into this week? I watched a movie called Leave the World Behind uh, on Netflix. About? It has like Julia Roberts, Mahersha Ali, um, really good cast. Uh, Ethan Hawke, one of my favorites. Ethan Hawke's my boy. Uh, I love Ethan Hawke. Where's Hawk Ethan Hawke been? He's been doing movies. Damn. Lots of good stuff. Uh, and this was a pretty good movie. I think it's definitely worth a watch. I'm not going to like bang the doors down and say it's the greatest movie ever but it was done by sam esmel who did like mr robot that whole series mm-hmm. and then that was pretty good i feel like mr robot yeah yeah and so it's like a very tense movie kind of about a family that goes off on a va- like spur of the moment vacation to an airbnb and then shit starts to happen is it scary it is but it isn't it's not horror no there's not like any kind of horror moments it's very tense and there's a lot of building of tension but i don't like that (laughs) there's not like a lot of great payoffs for the tension that's built it's interesting and like how the tension is like very well done like the tension and gets ratcheted up and 
it's this like basically like an event happens in the world while these people are at this uh, Airbnb and then they kind zombies. of like are cut off from finding any information out about it. And then you as the viewer are also cut off. Mm. And then there's other people that are get involved. And then you kind of learn more about like what's actually happening. But then there's also some kind of weird stuff, kind of like supernatural type stuff happening, but not really. And then, but it's like just building the tension constantly. It builds, 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 builds. And it has like all these great moments where you're like, <gasps> I can't. And then it doesn't always pay off that tension, I would say, but it is an, a very this sounds terrible. interesting movie to watch. You it's interesting. It. I would, I would say, if you okay. like movies, it's worth watching. If okay. you're not into like movies and and that type of thing, then okay, don't watch it. Leave the world behind. Leave the world behind on Netflix. Yeah. And what are we doing next week on Hallerpod? We're gonna be back in the reread chapters forty three through forty seven. Okay, you got a twang on that one. <laughs> thanks, Hallers. Uh, special thanks to Miles for the episode art. Special thanks to Nick Brenlow for the amazing voice work. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Like the videos. Share them around the world like Santa. <laughs> Follow us on HowlerPod at HowlerPod, H-O-W-L-E-R-P-O-D, Instagram, X, Facebook, Etsy, HowlerPod at gmail.com, voicemail. My uh, New Year's resolution is to get off Twitter, so we may be less active in that area. I have never known how to use Twitter in my life. It's not good. Humble brag. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good thing. (laughs) I used it once to get a vaccine. (laughs) Leave a voicemail at 1-800-516-1540 or DM us your video voicemails. Mm. Find links to all this at howlerpod.com. Tell a friend about the books and rate and review us five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only then we will push you out the airlock after you try to steal our sun butter and honey ham. ham. Yeah, you can't have our fucking ham. No, you make good ham, too. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. can't have it unless they go You're going stars. out the airlock. <laughs> All right, thanks, Allers. Omnisphere lupus. Oh! <laughs>